Today's episode is brought to you by the new edition of Christ-Centered Biblical Counseling, available now at booksellers everywhere. Welcome to 1514, a podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. 1514 draws its name from Romans 1514, where the Apostle Paul encourages the church that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm your host and the executive director of the BCC, Dr. Curtis Solomon, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Today's guest is pastor and author Scott Mel. Scott is pastor of Cornerstone Church in West Los Angeles, and he's the author of a book entitled Loving Messy People. The Institute for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship, also known as IBCD, recently took Loving Messy People and turned it into an eight-part video training series entitled Intro to Messy Care and Discipleship. It's a wonderful curriculum that takes people through Loving Messy People and teaches them the basics and the reasons why they can and should minister to one another in the local church. I had a wonderful time talking about this curriculum and his book with Scott today, and I hope you enjoy it as well. You can find out more about it at ibcd.org slash messy. I hope you enjoy today's episode. All right, Scott Mel, thanks so much for being with us today. Could you introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah, absolutely. Thank, thanks so much, Curtis. It's always it's always fun to get to talk to you um, and to talk to your listeners as well. I'm so like Curtis said. My name is Scott. I'm a pastor in West Los Angeles. I've been here at Cornerstone Church of West LA for uh, over 15 years now. Um, originally as a church planter and a church merger, and uh, this is a whole story in and of itself. But uh, I'm married, have four kids. Um, my oldest just started high school, so well, started high school on Zoom. But now, now he's like actually starting <laughs> high school, so we're uh, kind of entering the wild that that wild new new world. Um, two boys, two girls, and um, yeah, my just I love and and feel incredibly privileged to get to to serve the church and pastoral ministry. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a, uh, it's been a while. We were talking, catching up a little bit beforehand. It's been a while since we got to connect, but we did a few years ago at the IBCD conference, and I really yeah. uh, was excited to see your connection with them and, and what you've been doing. And at the time, you were writing this book that has now been out for a while called Loving mm-hmm. Messy People, mm-hmm. and it's now become the central kind of curriculum or for a training that IBCD, the Institute for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship, has put out called Messy Care and Discipleship. Can you tell everybody just about that, your book and the basic structure of that course? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the book flowed out of my relationship with our the people in my church. Right? We wanted to develop training to equip them to care for one another, to minister to one another, uh, small group leaders, um, really everyone. And out of that came this, the, this book and then this training that seek to equip every church member to, to do just that. And the, the IBCD training takes the form of eight sessions. There's, there's eight 20 to 30 minute teaching videos, but then after that there's eight 20 to 30 minute roundtable discussions with people in various churches that are, that are doing this, that, that are living it out, that are, um, caring for those around them. And, and to me, that's actually the, the gold nugget of this training, hearing these, uh, leaders in different local churches and, and late, uh, most of them lay leaders, 
just small group leaders, things like that, you know, volunteer counselors talk about their experiences, talk about how they put into practice the principles of biblical one another care um, it was a, a gold mine. It, it was a huge encouragement to me. I know it's going to be a huge encouragement to, to others as well. And then, and then as a part of that, so there's a there's eight sessions. Each one has a teaching session, a roundtable discussion, and then there's a, a workbook that goes with it with assignments to discussion questions. So you can go through it with your own small group as well. Yeah, no, I really, I uh, was excited to check it out. I haven't watched the entirety of it, but I did watch it. I think three or four of the roundtables and they were really, as you said, really great and gold nuggets in and of themselves to see those people interacting with one another, interacting with the training or the talks that you're giving, as well as the content, which flow from the content of the book. Uh, so yeah, yeah, excellent, excellent job and a great resource for churches. How did you latch on to this term in the concept of, of messy? Uh, and why is that helpful for people to understand? Yeah, well, I, you know, it, I think it's kind of the word that people use to describe just the complexity and the confusion of, of real life, right? When you come up upon a situation that's not neat and simple, and maybe the, the way forward isn't obvious, messy's the, the the type of word that we tend to use, right? The situation's messy, you know, the uh, conversation was messy. <laughs> and, and I think it, it contrasts that that kind of neat, tidy image people sometimes put on church, you know, maybe put put up at church or even maybe put up on social media, right? This, this nice kind of managed picture of themselves, of their own life, because everyone I think knows that real life, genuine life, both our internal life and our life with others is it's complicated. You know, it's, it's complex. It, it's not, uh, doesn't fit into neat categories. And I think that's why I think the, the concept of, of life that's messy relationships that are, are messy, I think resonates with a lot of us. Yeah. And, and the word messy, it doesn't just apply to the person who's coming with a problem, right? I think sometimes in counseling, we'll think of, that person that we're ministering to, they're the one bringing the mess. But you talk about in the book and in the training, that's not that's not the only place where the mess lies. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I think that that's actually one of those uh, misnomers in the church generally, but even in biblical counseling specifically, where it's like, oh, so there's messy people who are in need and they need to come and get help, right? And well, in one sense, yes, that's how the church is set up. But the messy people are all of us. <laughs> and the only person that has it together that we go to is Jesus. Yeah. Right? So, so we're, we're not, we're not bringing each other. You're not bringing the messy people to the have it together people, right? All of us as messy, complicated people with, with uh, you know, motivations that are a complicated mess of emotions with, with suffering that has complicated our, our hearts and our experience and left residual effects in our bodies, in our lives. Like, uh, each one of us with all of our unique messes in that, that, that sense come to Christ who redeems us, who washes us, who sanctifies us, but progressively like more and more and ultimately glorifies us. You know, in that sense, the new heavens and the new earth isn't going to be messy in the same way. It's, it's not, but this earth and every single one of us on it definitely definitely are. And so when, even when we're ministering to, you know, messy situations in our lives or people that are uh, messy people in our lives, we're doing so kind of, or exactly like you said, we're doing so as messy people, right? Messy people helping other messy people. Um, 
point one another to to Christ ultimately. Yeah, and you even talk about in it one of the things that came through in the training that I one of the points that stood out to me is that the process is messy too. It's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not yeah. like this. I think the the section in the book and in the training is that there's not is getting off script or it's not scripted, mm. right? It's more yeah. art yeah. than science. I think is how you put it. Talk about that a little bit because that is man that rung so true to me in counseling. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the, the problem is, the problem is what we want is a script, right? When somebody, and this is why, the, as pastors, this is why we get these questions all the time. You know, hey, somebody's struggling in a certain way, somebody's um, hurting in a certain way. So the reality is, every single one of us wants something that is simple, right? We we want a script. When somebody comes to us with a, with a problem, we, we want to know, okay, well, what 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 Bible verse do I go to? What uh, truth do I tell them? What, what do I say? What do I do? I, I don't want to have to figure it out for myself. <laughs> you know, I, I, I want a script and that's why we, we, we want, we want a discipleship curriculum. Yeah. You know, we want something we can just simple and take them for, through. And, and there's resources out there for different issues and those are helpful. But the reality is what people need in the real moments of life isn't a script or a booklet or a book or a certain Bible verse. Like they, they need, truth embodied. They, they need people in their life who can pray, determine what's most needed at a particular moment. And, and sometimes that, that is a truth. Sometimes it's a hug. Yeah. Sometimes it's weeping. Sometimes it's confrontation, but, but sometimes it's affirmation. And as we navigate that, the reality is it's, in, it's, it's not predictable. But the, the reason, and I think that scares a lot of people off. I think it scares a lot of people off of interpersonal ministry, you know, counseling, discipleship or whatever. But I, the, the beautiful thing about the calling of God on all of us to care for and minister to one another is that he hasn't left us alone. He, he's equipped us for that. He's equipped us by his spirit. He's given us his spirit. And he promised us that if we ask him for wisdom, he will give it. And as we live that out, dependent on him, dependent on his spirit, dependent on the word, we see, we see powerful things take place. Yeah. No, I think it, it, it reminds me, because I think we, we want to be careful not to go in the opposite direction. When I, when I listened to the training, when I read the book about the script part, I thought mm -hmm. there are moments in my counseling where I remember having an agenda written out, right? When the person sits down and I say, okay, I always ask in the beginning, is there anything that's happened since we last met that, that we need to focus on, that we need to end off? Yeah. Either, yeah. Right there, <laughs> the agenda sometimes just goes right out the window. Or while I'm walking through that agenda, it re I realize this is not where we need to go. The, the, the thing is not that we jettison preparation. Right? Absolutely. It's kind of like James 4, woe to you who says tomorrow we'll go to such and such a place and do such and such a thing. That's, you know, we don't know that, but that doesn't mean we don't ever plan. Yeah. And, and, and you know, that, I think that's really interesting, Curtis. I think it's really important to, to underline. But part of the reason why I um, don't underline that as much, particularly when I'm talking about it in context like this, is I think as, as biblical counselors, 
if we have a weakness, it can tend to be that we're we're overprepared and strict as opposed to <laughs> underprepared and oh, like loosey goosey. I don't know. I'm just going to see how I feel. You know, like see how I feel when I walk in the door. Is this something I've ever heard at a biblical <laughs> counseling, you know, training and a biblical counseling class? Yes, but absolutely. And so, but there are places where number number one, that, that definitely needs to be reminded. But I, I, in both the training and the book, I compare biblical counseling to to, to an art form, but I compare it to jazz. And I think jazz is actually a really helpful analogy because uh, the fact that jazz is improvisational doesn't mean you don't need to be a good musician to play it, <laughs> right? It, the fact that it's improvisational and that you don't know what's coming doesn't mean you don't practice, you don't prepare, you just kind of pick up a trumpet and blow into it and see what happens, right? Like, no, to, to play jazz, you actually have to be a better musician than if you're just reading music. Yeah. And I think the same is true with us as biblical counselors. Actually, the fact that it, that, that biblical counseling is improvisational uh, means that we need to be more diligent studiers of the word, yep. more prepared for what we're doing, not less. Because the reality is counseling somebody one-on-one and, the, and with them responding, like that's way more, that, that, that requires way more preparation and rootedness in the word, even than a sermon does. Mm-hmm. Because yep. nobody's answering back in a sermon. Right. You, you can yeah. just prepare what you say and you say it. But when you're sitting with somebody, you can prepare what to say, but they're going to answer back. They're going to ask a question. And if if all we have is a script, but we're not actually rooted in the truth, yeah. we're not actually rooted in his word. As soon as we step off the script, we're, we're not going to know what to do. Now, yeah, that's a that's a really good word and a, a good good way to put it. And for everybody who doesn't know jazz, just watch La La Land and they'll explain it to you. So. <laughs> <There> you <go. laughs> uh, no, yeah, that, that's, that was really helpful. What's, if you were to, it's, I always, this is a hard thing for me, but whenever it is helpful, what would you say the central message of the, of the book slash training uh, is? In one sense, that, that is a hard question, but I appreciate it because it's, it's also, it is an important one. Re- really, the, the central message of both the book and the training are that that every single Christian, no matter how long they've been a Christian, no matter how old they are, they're all, every single Christian, every one of us is called to care and help one another in the midst of the mess of life. And that God has, so, so the care for the church, the discipleship in the church, the counseling in the church, isn't just the ministry of pastors or professional counselors or, um, you know, some other professional class. It's, it's a part of the fundamental calling of every Christian to love and care for one another. And then that God has given us his body. The, the tools, the equipping in his word and the, the power through his spirit to help one another become more like Christ in the midst of that mess. And so that it's, it's really meant to both clarify that call for the entire church and help equip those that are saying, okay, I, I hear that, but what, what do I do? What, what does that mean? You know, it, it's, it's meant to equip them for that. Oh, very good. You you use the term. I was actually it was it stood out to me pretty blatant blatantly mm-hmm. uh, the avoidance of the term biblical counseling in in the training. And which I'm not attached to the term. I I know and have talked to people lots of times about the fact that we might have to jettison that term even if legally, <laughs> yeah, like laws come down that re- uh-huh. restrict our use of the term counseling. Whatever. 
that's not what we're about. Uh, yeah. But you chose the term and, and you used the term gospel care, which I really mm-hmm. liked. Tell our audience, why pick that yeah. term instead of one of the 1,500 other phrases we use to talk about what we do? <laughs> yeah. You know, I... Um, I am not anti the term biblical counseling at all, actually. I mean, I, I love it. I call people myself a biblical counselor. I talk about counseling all the time. I, in the book and the training, though, um, I, the, because of who I was, I wanted to make it accessible mm-hmm. to people who didn't, who, number one, weren't familiar with biblical counseling. And number two, didn't automatically view themselves as counselors. Yep. Yep. Right. And so I, you know, if you're like, Hey, this is for counseling and you're, they're like, Oh, okay, well that's for somebody else. Yep. Somebody else does counseling. <laughs> I, I wanted to, I wanted to start meet them where they were at. And by the end of the book, they might say, Oh, counseling, that's, for, that, that's something I should do. But I knew they weren't going to be saying that at the beginning. And so, and, and I think all the, the different words we use for this interpersonal ministry that we do for different people, they carry different baggage, right? Like counseling does for some people, some people love it. Some people are like, Oh no, not that. Some, for some people it's mentoring that carries baggage for some people it's discipleship that carries baggage. I, I mean, I, I, I once counseled a couple who, you know, she's like, we really need counseling. And he's like, I don't want counseling. Like, we just want to talk to, you know, we just need to talk to a friend. And she's like, no, I don't want to talk to a friend. We need counseling. And so I told her, I'm happy to give you counseling. I told him, I'm happy to talk to you as a friend. Right? Like, I'm like, whatever. Like, who cares what we call it? Let's just do this care for one another. And and so, uh, you know, in, in wrestling through what term to use, um, I landed on gospel care um, because I, I think it's important for us, but as Christians generally, and particularly for those of us in the biblical counseling movement, to, to emphasize that the means of care we provide people isn't ultimately about what we do for them but it's about what Christ has done for them through the gospel, right? The the good news of Jesus is what transforms us from the inside out. And so there's this, there's an immense power and privilege we have to, to belong to, to those who God has called and commissioned to, to offer that care to others. But what we're offering them isn't ourselves, we're, we're pointing them back to Christ. We're reminding them of Christ. And, and it's that, that gospel truth, the good news of Jesus, the, the new covenant promises that ultimately are what transform people. And ultimately that transformation, it ought to be the goal of our counsel and our care. And so I think that's what, as, as biblical counselors, as Christians, what we can uniquely offer the world and what we uniquely offer one another is you could call gospel care. Yeah. No, I think it's, yeah, it's really helpful because the, there's the baggage that people coming to counseling have, but also like you mentioned with the person who's, who's, you know, in a small group and they're thinking, Oh, we're doing a counseling training at our church. I know Joe over there's a good counselor. He should do that. Um, Exactly. it, It, it helps eliminate the concept that experts only, where certain people are counselors yeah. and builds in yeah. that. And I love the the gospel aspect of it too, because it re- redeems people's thinking on the gospel, that a gospel wasn't just something that got me out of hell or just something that happened to me in the past and then secures for me an eternal future. It's effective mm-hmm. right here, right now, every day. So absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And you, you know, I, I think that, I, I mean, when I discovered the riches of truth, 
contained and it really delivered, maybe communicated in the biblical counseling movement, I, I was overwhelmed. I, it was such a joy. I, it was th- this was the the gold I'd been looking for that connected deep biblical truths to the complexities of the human experience, right? And the things that that drew that that connected so many of those dots for me was has been the biblical counseling movement. So I, both this book and the training in my heart were designed to help bridge the gap from to basically help, help provide a bridge kind of an, or an entry gate for people into the biblical counseling world to say, Hey, you know, I, I know that counseling, that, that doesn't sound like it's for you, but it, look, just c- come take a peek, right? <laughs> come take a peek, Cause I think that all you need is a peek. Um, and you're going to be bowled over like, like I was with how rich and how powerfully the word of God speaks to our most complicated and most complex struggles. Yeah, I think accessibility was one of the words I really picked that like I, that just came to mind and I identified with the book because I, I mean you know if if you've been doing biblical counseling or been in the movement for twenty years, a lot of what you put in the book we've all heard before, we've all read to- before. Totally. totally, but it is done in a way that I mean. It's not a massive theological tome, you know. It's just a, it's a mm-hmm. really accessible, and I think the video training helps bring it to non-readers as yeah. well. So I, I just love that partnership that you guys did there, and mm-hmm. and yeah, a great accessible entry gate for people to uh, come into a deeper understanding of what biblical counseling, gospel care, soul care, all those things, whatever we want to call it. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the overarching, there's an overarching guide and structure for the book, really where you're showing people, hey, we're called to love one another, right? Great commandment. But then yeah. it breaks down into four main components. And I, this is another where I thought accessibility is, you know, four yeah. simple aspects of love that we apply with one another to do this thing called gospel care. What are those four components? Yeah, I, I wanted to really just summarize the the one. I mean, we find so many one another commands in Scripture, right? I, I, and I, I think in, in one sense, again, for somebody that's experienced, they should have lists of those, right? They should know those and, and wrestle through, how do I apply it, right? But for somebody who's kind of new, it can be an overwhelming, like, oh, I'm supposed to do all of this? Like, <laughs> you know, where, where do I even start? And so I, I wanted to try to summarize those the one and others into four just kind of memorable categories and and the first is is knowing right we we love people by knowing them by by listening by asking questions um by by being students of people just like we're students of god's word because if we're going to apply the depths of god's word to the depths of people we, we can't just be students of god's word we have to study it intently but then we have to study people intently listen ask questions you know refrain from speaking until we do understand at least to some extent what's actually going on and so i think all love starts with starts with knowing and then the second is is serving you know putting into practice i think this is sometimes in biblical counseling we can unfortunately think of interpersonal ministry simply as talk ministry like a like a talk therapy right like what 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 i do is i listen to you and then i talk to you and that's obviously a huge part of it but in scripture there's no category for interpersonal ministry that is divorced from the realities of life, right? There's no model in scripture for simply talk ministry. Like talking is a part of the 
an entire life of service and love towards others. And so if we're going to minister to others, it also involves serving. It involves sharing. If somebody's in need, it, me- it means sharing what we have with them. Uh, it means praying for them. It means pursuing them, right? When, when they go quiet, it doesn't mean, well, I, I guess they, I guess they don't need me anymore. Like, no, like, it's like biblical love pursues just like Jesus did. It's very active in that sense. It bears with one another when it, patience is difficult. And so we, so we, Love manifests in knowing and manifests in serving. And you can't show love with just your actions, right? You also have to speak words. And third, love manifests in speaking. We speak in in ways like like affirming one another and correcting one another and teaching one another when somebody doesn't know something. And then finally, so knowing, serving, speaking, and the last is, is what I call gospeling. And what by that I mean, applying the truths of the gospels and massaging them into the depths of people's hearts in order to motivate and, and inspire the, the worship that produces transformation. Um, and I think when I think about gospeling, I think of the reality that we, almost everyone in the church is suffering from living in a fallen world more than they even recognize. At the same time, everybody in the church is, is, is sinning. Their, their heart is more captivated by self-worship than they even recognize. And the truth of the gospel, the grace of the gospel redeems both their suffering and their sin. And as it does, as that truth is applied to the, the depths of the problems in our, our, our souls, uh, it inspires worship. And that worship is what manifests in genuine love, genuine obedience, genuine transformation. And so you know, gospeling in that sense is, a, is kind of a form of speaking, but I think I thought it was important to make sure that our, as biblical counselors, our job isn't just to say, that was good, that was bad, don't do that, do some more of that, but but to usher people to the the throne into the presence of Christ where that worship pours forth from. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's the not that the other components are devoid of scripture. Obviously, I mean, there's loads of scripture all throughout the book, all throughout the training, but it really centers it on Christ and and how we minister that to other people. So, how might churches utilize this training and who who might they equip with it? Yeah, I mean, I think it can be a great like small group study. Uh, originally, this is the content that we developed at, at our local church to equip every one of our small group leaders with. And, and like I said, if you're in a church, and maybe you're a leader or whether you're a pastor or a lay leader, and you, you're committed to the principles of biblical counseling, but you don't know how to introduce those concepts, introduce that responsibility, that call, and even that, that vision to other people in your church. You know, maybe you say, well, I, I've, I've tried to invite them to a counseling training, but not many people want to go. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think this could be a great place to start for for broad equipping in the context of the local church. And then I, the other thing I would say is I think it's also a great and and hopefully refreshing reminder for those that have counseled and ministered for a long time to remember, okay, wait, at its core, what is it that we're doing? Right. And and it allows us to even tweak some of the things that we do and maybe some of the habits we've gotten into by remembering what it is at the core, this interpersonal ministry is, is ultimately about. And so, you know, you can use it in small groups, leadership training or equipping Sunday schools, even, you know, our, our pastors all 
went through it and just discussed it together. Right, Russell's like, how how do we both equip people for this, but also live this out as shepherds ourselves with uh, individuals in our lives. So those are just I mean, maybe a, a few of the ways that these come to my mind. Yeah, no, that was really, that's really good. The, the one that stood out to me, obviously, is a small group leader, because you could even, like you said, take your small groups through this. But totally. like you said, and I had that experience as well, as an, an experienced counselor has been doing it for a while, it was fun and refreshing just to hear youth pastors and other small group leaders and lay counselors sitting around talking about oh man, I remember when I totally blew it like this, or God really used this encounter and this experience and this person. And and, and the people participating in those roundtables, it's a really wide range of people. Mm-hmm. So it's really, really cool. Where can people go to find your book and find out more about the training? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the book's available in most places, books are sold, but, but probably the, you can get all the information for the, the, the book, the training, everything else at ibcd.org backslash messy. So ibcd.org slash messy. Very good. And the IBCD puts out really great, cool material. So be sure to check out the rest of the stuff while you're there. Yeah. Hopefully it's Oh, oh, I was, I was just going to say, hopefully it's just a, a, a bridge to everything. There are so many riches on that website. IBC's got so much great stuff you can check out. They do, definitely, definitely. So we, I reserved the last couple minutes of our time together for a segment called Two Minute Favorites. I can't remember if I sent you these questions or not, to be honest, so I'm just going to fire away. Are you ready for this? Uh, you didn't send me anything, but I'm ready. <laughs> it's basically your favorite stuff. So hopefully, okay. hopefully you have all this right. locked we'll down. So, all right, here we, I'll start with some easy ones, some softballs. Here we go. What is your favorite food? Um, salmon, grilled salmon. Favorite color? Mm, blue. Favorite sport? Baseball. Favorite sports team? The Los Angeles Dodgers. Favorite gift you've ever received? Oh. Softballs are over. Ever received? <laughs> yeah. Um, gosh. I, you know what? I turned 40 just a few, a couple months ago, and my brothers surprised me flying out from Colorado. Uh, had this incredible weekend with them. My wife and just kind of surprised me. And uh, I don't remember the last time that like a birthday gift showed up and like I burst into tears. Mm. So uh, the weekend with my brothers uh, a couple of months ago was pretty high on that list. All right. Favorite gift you've ever given? Probably my wife's engagement ring. All right. Favorite candy? Skittles. Favorite ice cream flavor? Vanilla. Favorite. And that's not boring. That's not boring. <laughs> it, it, it's just because it's the color white doesn't mean it's flavorless. It's, uh, vanilla is a real flavor. Favorite book of the Bible? Oh, um, gosh, that's so hard. Well, right now it's Second Corinthians because I'm in it. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's kind of like any preacher. I'm, my favorite one's the one I'm like. Dig it in right now. Yep. Favorite book outside of scripture? Mm. I, gosh. I mean, desiring God uh, early in my 20s was probably the most pivotal. All right. Well, that wraps up our time together. Scott, thanks so much for hanging out with us on 1514 today. Absolutely. Thank you, Curtis. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode of 1514. If you'd like to find out more about the Biblical Counseling Coalition, you can visit our website at biblicalcc.org. Special thanks to our podcast engineer, James Wills, who does all the post-production editing to make this podcast sound so wonderful. Also want to thank my assistant, Carrie Felton, for helping to arrange these interviews. And a special thanks to Andrew Riddell, who composed and recorded the music we use on 1514. I hope you have a wonderful day.